<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm -hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh -huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm -hmm. and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, <laughs> I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Hey, Dave. Hey, Johnny. You know, before you told me about Simply Earth Essential Oils, do you remember that? I do, yeah. I, I would say, know. yeah, I had little to no experience using them. I'm just okay. going to be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, you're welcome. <laughs> well, Second. I didn't say thank you, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, if I could just keep going. I must agree, with little knowledge of essential oils prior to using Simply Earth, their recipes and blends gave me the tools to bring my home even closer to being completely toxin-free. Now listen, without Simply Earth monthly recipe box, purchasing all the different essential oils can be so expensive and confusing, Dave. That's the world uh, I was living in. Gosh, preaching to the choir. Yeah, preaching to the choir. The Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box will help you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. And it really is as easy as one, two, three, or ABC, as I like to say. <laughs> you and the Jackson 5 both, Johnny. That's right. First, Simply Earth delivers your very own recipe box right to your front door, complete with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. Well, listen to this. Next, okay. you learn just how quick and easy it is to use your essential oils while making the recipes mm -hmm. created by certified 
aromatherapist. I'm going to say just that want, again. Yeah, aromatherapist. I just want you to, I want to describe my job as that just once in my life, even if it's a lie, John, because that's an amazing job <laughs> title. And last but certainly not least, you save money and detoxify your life right along the way. Simply Earth's monthly recipe box is no joke. No We're joke. not joking around, people. No laughing just around. ask the over 2,000 people who gave it a five-star review. The essential oils alone would cost over $100 from other companies, but with Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four pure oils. Guess how many recipes, John? I'm going to say five. Nope, six. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One more than you thought. And extra ingredients for only $39. That's incredible. And yeah. when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more natural goodies. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box. Plus, Dave, yeah. get a free 80-milliliter diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com slash dadville visit simplyearth.com slash dadville to get started today guys this is a uh, i'm not going to say um that all of our um episodes of dadville aren't special because they are they are wonderfully special of course um and that's for the but. capitalist this one is is different though because this one uh this one feels like cheating for me um because this is this is basically kind of like big brother Yoda, um, I know this man really, really well. Uh, not biblically, I want to make that really clear. I do know him really well, though, and maybe close to that a couple times uh, as we played shows on the road. Uh, this, um, so Ed Cash is with us today. Ed, Ed this is, I mean, I, I don't even know how to intro you because it just feels like I'm introing like uh, <laughs> one of my split personalities in some way. Oh and my I, gosh! I do want to say that you know we always Dave and I always have these shared notes that we go off of for interviews, and we always have people's brag sheets. And yours by far is the longest. I'm scrolling down this brag sheet. Yeah, it is. Astounding. I don't even know what you're gonna read from here. Dave. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I, this is about to be a real time problem solving situation oh, so, so i, I want to intro before i give like the official brag sheet ed and i so so i, I should have actually tallied this Prepared. up hey <laughs> yes that's fair that's a <laughs> shot across the bow but it's a fair one um i, I should have actually counted this but i know we've made ed we've made uh, eight to ten records together mm. at this point somewhere wow. in that thing Amazing. so when ed, when wow. i started my career i worked for ed uh for six months and I'm sure a couple of those stories will see the light of day in this oh, interview. Gosh. Thank <laughs> you. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> okay, so that's that's one thing. But but uh so I worked for that and then Ed and I literally made I mean tons of records together. Ed produced, you know, most of my records and has been Yoda in my career for as long as I've played music and which I could talk about. That could be just an hour. I could literally just talk for an hour about how much love and affection I have for you and how much you've given to my life, but also my career, mm. because it's substantial. I mean, I would not be like the best statement I can say is I would not be doing this if it weren't for you. That's like mm. the end that's, that's full stop. But, uh, so and we'll get into that more, but it really like Ed looking at this sheet of your stuff, it's, it's, it's tricky too, before I read it, because you kind of have two careers that you're really three or four, but I mean, you know, you've had your artist career, You've had your production career, and now you're sort of back in the artist career with We the Kingdom, 
which is a crazy, amazing story. You know, it's basically your family band. Um, you know, so it's it's fun to read. But so what we did, I, I just I couldn't get anybody to send me anything because I think you only hire people that are humble, uh, which is a really pro move. So I had to I had to get into <laughs> I had to get into Wikipedia. But so here's here's kind of I'm going to do my best as John said to sort of consolidate this brag sheet because it's pretty intense. Uh, okay, so um, Ed Martin Cash. By the way, we're not going to talk about your birthday, but that kind of uh, that's a whole other uh, situation that I felt a little hurt by that you didn't involve me in that lately. But oh, we're, gosh. hey, listen, we're glad that's oh. not what this podcast is about. That's not what we're here to do. Okay, oh, man, uh, <laughs> I knew. <laughs> you knew it. It was one of my favorite parties. I have to say, I had such a great time. Barnes, for those of you that are not privy to what's going on, I turned fifty. Yes. Well, I didn't know. I didn't want to out you. I got really a little nervous. Bit ago, I was like, yeah, we weren't going to say any numbers. Fine. That's fine. I turned fifty in August, and Barnes texted me the other day. He goes, "Hey, didn't you have a fiftieth birthday? In other words, why wasn't I invited? You freaking jerk!" <laughs> I, swear, I got a little and I hurt. Spent Thirty minutes formulating that text back to you. I kept. I did. I kept. Re, I was like, "No, he's gonna." I, yeah, just I'll just make it a fam. I'll throw the family card. Oh, it's just a small family gathering. No, I was gonna say, was it just an emoji? Yeah. After thirty minutes, yeah. it's just the yes. like emoji. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. That. That. Uh. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It. It did. It was. It stung. <laughs> uh. But I also knew, like you. I, I've, you've been. I've never seen you busier. You're always busy, but you have been really busy late with the band. So that's okay. We're not gonna talk about that or the fact that. Um, I probably would have named my fourth kid after you, but that's not happening anymore. Uh, so, uh, okay, I got to read this frag sheet. This is the problem with this interview. Okay. Uh, producer, songwriter, engineer, and multi-instrumentalist. He was named the producer of the year at the GMA's uh, Gospel Music Awards for four consecutive years. I didn't even know that. Jeez. 2004 to 2007. Gains recognition for his w work with singer uh, Chris Tomlin, new worship guy to Texas, in addition to who's actually uh, been on this podcast too. <laughs> uh, in addition to several Grammy nominations and countless that's literally it that means more than they want to count bmi citations of achievement cash is produced or written with artists such as Stephen Curtis chapman vince gill dolly parton amy grant bebo norman david crowder band bethany dylan carrie job dave barnes dave barnes dave barnes that's weird it has my name six times in a row. matt words caveman's call cast and Crown. i mean this it's too that's too long he is a member of the band we the kingdom which is now you know, to kind of finish out the production thing, which is crazy. How great is our God, which you helped Chris write. I mean, that that's too much time. Like that's that's too much time to read all of these things. But there's basically every Tons award you can awards. imagine yeah. under that. Made to worship the same thing. It's I mean, that's not even getting into We the Kingdom, which you guys are just caning it right now. It feels mm -hmm. like between hits and you know, uh, the collaborations you guys are doing, the amount of units y'all are selling and listens, it's insanity, man. It's like uh, it's really humbling to read this because there's points where I think, you know, I've, I've made a pretty good career for myself. And at this point, I think maybe not. Maybe that's not <laughs> all true. Uh, <laughs> but like knowing that, knowing that all those things and we didn't even get I mean, the We the Kingdom stuff is just as substantial. I mean, I, I, I it's all right. It's just a million people have listened to a million songs. You guys have had. Is it th two number ones, three number ones? Two, I believe. Yeah, don't say you believe. You know exactly what I mean. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just a lot. Like it's been, you know, you guys are killing it out with Zach Williams right now. Aren't y'all going out with Chris Tomlin and for uh, for the Christmas stuff? 
We're not actually. We did last or last two year. years okay. ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Before <laughs> nobody went out for Christmas last. <laughs> year. <laughs> I was going to say too. That should end the interview right there. Um, but just amazing, amazing things. So wh- hearing all that stuff, Ed, like how do you, how do you feel when you hear that? Gosh, Dave, that's a great question. I mean, just like a surge of gratitude, hmm. because you know I don't. I don't want to just throw like that falsely. I heard somebody say something about false humility the other day and just how unattractive it was to them. Hmm. You know, when people are like, Oh no, it's, it's the Lord, you know, and they just kind of put it down. Like, um, I mean, cause there are two, there, there are really three realities in my life when I think about that. Hmm. One is that I know myself, I know the things I've done. Hmm. And I don't think there's a more undeserving person <laughs> of God's kindness, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've just been an idiot at times in my life. I've done some of the most ridiculous things that uh, I've really had to fight shame over, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's that aspect. Uh, but God's really been healing me of a lot of that stuff, you know, that that doesn't just cripple me and... Um, you know, and especially, I mean, think about Dadville, what I want to pass on to my kids. You know, I've, mm. I've actually had the privilege of being very vulnerable with them about a lot of my struggles. Mm. And that has been such a gift because for so much of my life, I tried to hide that. And we'll maybe get into some of that. But so that's one aspect. Another would be just the absolute relentless kindness of God. I don't understand, you know, when you when you say all those things, I'm like, I'm like, man, he's just put me in the right place at the right time a lot of times. And, mm-hmm. you know, stuff I couldn't even have thought about orchestrating. But I also do think there's something about the stewardship of those opportunities. And when he puts you in a place, I have worked hard, you know. I mean, I've worked my tail off at times too much, for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I have a lot of emotion kind of run through me when you say that because I – uh I think about where I might, where I could have been, you know, I think about that a right. lot of times if I got what I deserve. So, uh, I'm just super incredibly grateful. Yeah. Would it, would you say that you, because you have been working so prolifically for so many years and been so successful, would you say that you work, the reason why you work today is different than the reason why you were working those first couple of years? And if so, how is it different? It was more than those first couple of years. <laughs> I mean, I would say this. I was bred to thrive. You know, I mean, the world I grew up in was like all about success. It was all about performance. It was all about, um, lest I throw anyone under the bus, this was my perception of it. This is the pressure mm-hmm. that I felt like I felt to play the game, to fit into you know, so I'm not putting this on anyone other than my own self. I mean, not that I'm not calling it out on some level. I think every society or whatever has its own flaws. And if that one had that, it was, yeah, there was a very high standard of, hey, if you're not here, you're nothing. And Mm -hmm. so I think starting out, especially when I moved to Nashville, it's like, man, I just wanted to come conquer the world. And, you know, just um, was really... Uh, yeah, just trying to make a name for myself and striving so hard to do that, trying to just meet anybody and networking, but also trying to make it not seem like I was doing that 
you know, and, um, I got pretty good almost at emulating this. I would, I would even play this kind of humble, you know, vulnerable role and try to act like, you know, Oh man, this guy, whatever. But inside my mind, the anxiety and the stress and the pressure were insane. Mm-hmm. And and the drive was just over the top, you know. Mm. And I've had to really take a hard look at that because, you know, being 50 now, there's something that happens somewhere in those 40s where you get sort of like a knock on your door and it's a reality check. And it's like, hey, guess what? You're not made of infinite energy. There's mm-hmm. a limit to your resources and things are getting ready to change. You just feel it, you know. I think it's that also combined with just you start to question your own mortality, your own significance. Man, do I want to run this race like this till I'm, you know, till I hit the end and then I'm, you know, or I tap out with a heart attack because of stress on the way or, Hmm. and I really started having to get pretty serious about, and, and God, I mean, I see it now. It didn't feel like God then. Um, but we walked through a really tough season uh, together as a family. Dave, you're very familiar with that. And it it was like the greatest gift of my life in a way because it caused me to question everything. I mean, it caused me to rethink my marriage, my career, my parenting, mm-hmm. my friendships, my relationship with myself, my relationship with God, all of it. And everything at that point, I would say, took a pretty radical turn and has been since um yeah i mean i think the reasons that i work now are absolutely largely different but my native tongue was performance so i have to fight that every day every day Mm -hmm. i wake up i have to ask myself why am i doing this even now you know we're on the road and you you would think i i thought hey by the time you'd be 50 years old you'd be immune to the praise of man the applause of the crowd and the rush and all that and i'm not immune not at all like if i'm not careful i can it can be that can be just a new form of crack you know um (laughs) seriously it's it's intoxicating i mean after all these years of not dealing with that live thing it's uh pretty weird so yeah that's got to be a shift going from sitting in a studio helping people make stuff that they go play and then all of a sudden you're like back on the stage oh, yeah. again going oh massive shift <laughs> oh <Hello. laughs> yeah exactly Hello, give me a friend. great great respect and honor for you guys and all these artists i've worked with all the years i'm like oh my gosh man i forgot the toll that it takes you know um and just the emotional roller coaster of it all it's pretty pretty nuts cuz you you started out as an artist for how many years and were you were you touring for a while in the early days i don't know that you could call it touring <laughs> uh-huh. it was like you know a couple of cd boxes in the back of my truck and right uh, i was the sound man i was the uh, merch guy i was the <laughs> social media promoter guru, yeah uh, before the internet even existed and yeah. so Social media back then was knowing how to look in someone's eyes and shake their hand and say, please <laughs> be my fan. Um, so, yeah. like, Are there any sadder words? 
Please be my fan. But then I had a revelation, man. I was at this Young Life camp in the North Georgia mountains, and this little girl, 13, 14-year-old, she was at camp. She came up to me. And this is probably somewhere in the 90s, early 90s. Came up to me, and she had this blank CD, which I'd never seen before, and it said in Sharpie on it, Ed Cash, whatever. It was the name of my album. And she handed it to me. She goes, hey, I ripped your CD from a friend. Would you please sign it for me? And I'm like, uh, what is she even talking about? I'd never even heard the word ripped. I didn't know. It was all brand new. But very quickly, it was like, oh, my Ooh. gosh. My brain <laughs> saw the future of music. And I was like, ah, okay. Well, so I can't sell this. Because, man, I went as an indie artist. I went and sold like. I don't know, all these cassettes the first year I did it and then CDs the next year. And it was like, this is totally sustainable. I can work oh. for three months in the summer. Oh, I can take totally. off nine months and I'm good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, you know? people, people ask me that like in the, in the beginning, like, how did you make money? You know, and you're like, how did you not make money? Well, it's so different from young artists now. Yeah, vastly. I feel yeah. for them so much because, like oh, you're saying, yeah. it's like you would take one box of CDs to some coffee shop somewhere, and you'd sell. You know, I might sell like 25 CDs yep. at 15 bucks a pop. Yep, that you paid a dollar for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a lot was... of times, I was actually in the in the early days, I was actually burning my own CDs, and then and the cover oh, yeah. was just yep. my signature. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, I was you know, ripping them off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You turned the whole thing on you, <laughs> um, you know, Ed, your, your story is so interesting to me because of the, t to your point, to the time at which you sort of started your career, which is so fun too, because obviously I know you well enough to know this, but I, I think one of the coolest stories about how you sort of learned how to perform when you would perform the shows with that older guy, what was his name? Was it Charles? Oh, Charles Harrison. Yeah. Which is such a cool story about, you know, this older... I mean, how old was he? Hmm. Well, it's funny now because I am the age that Charles... Well, he was 48, 48, 49, that, that he was when he and I lived together for two years. Um, and gosh, I mean, I, I cherish those years. I really do. Mm -hmm. We lived together how old for were you? Oh, about, about a year or two. Then I was 22 okay okay 22 and and weren't you playing guitar for him when that the deal like you go do shows and he would sing. yeah so when i got so real short story you know i, I went through all these drug rehabs when, and when i was starting at night 19 not starting at 19 sorry starting at about 17 i went through five drug treatment centers by the time i was 19. when i got clean i gave up music completely for two years because mm. i thought music mm. was like this thing that it opened the door to this, you know, crazy right. life that I was living, and I had just gone off the deep end. I mean, it was nuts. So, um, so being sober, um, I think after two years, I started. I picked up a guitar and I wrote a song, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot how much I love music." I mean, can you imagine? You know how much yeah. I love it, Dave. Yeah, imagine yeah, putting yeah, the guitar yeah. down for two years yeah, at yeah. that age. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was so crazy. What What made you pick up the guitar that day? Do you remember? Um, God was like, bro, really? this ain't going to work. <laughs> God was like, man, What's look, that? I made you very efficiently <laughs> yeah. in this thing. That's enough. And it, it's sorry, bro. 
This is how it's yeah, going to go. Yeah, I don't remember the circumstance. I think it was probably largely due to I had done a lot of recovery work. I'd gotten sober. I was feeling more emotionally, spiritually, mentally stable. Uh, and mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, maybe maybe I could handle this. Yeah. Um, and the minute I picked it up, it was just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is Thor incredible. holding the hammer. <laughs> just a lightning from heaven. You were like, nah. Oh, yeah. It was super special. So, crap, I forgot. Where, where are we going? Charles. Oh, yeah, Charles. So, anyway, I met Charles at an open mic night. So, I, what I started doing, I started going and hanging out at all these open mics. In, in Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. And he was, th- this place, it was called Stanleyville Grill. And the man who ran the open mic's name was Les Moore. And the wow. guys Great and the musicians that came there were so legit. I mean, this wow. was not some run-of-the-mill kind of whatever. I mean, the people that played there all could play their butts off. Wow. You know, they were either touring musicians or studio guys, and they'd just come. And it was basically more like a, like a, a house jam like and people would just sit in and, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And Charles was this just freakish soul singer, um, African-American guy. And just, he just had this way, man. It was almost like, I don't even know how to say it. Well, yeah, he just had a way. He had a way with people. He just drew people together. And, it, hmm. and I was really kind of enamored by his freedom on stage but I knew that his personal life, uh, he actually died about 10 years ago, wow. uh, which was really sad. Um, but I knew his personal life was a troubled one. Hmm. Um, but when he sang, man, he was so free. And I talked to him one time. I was like, Charles, how do you, how do you get there? How do you do that? So he and I just formed a friendship. We ended up forming a duo and went and played tons of shows together. And that was like before I even did my solo stuff, it was uh, – so much fun, but he taught me how to be free singing mm. on stage. And the first thing he said, he said, Ed, whenever I get up on stage, he's like, I see this is little box out in front. He's like, and everything I got going on in my life, family, this, all the crap. He's like, I just put it in that box. He's like, and I know that for that moment, when I get on stage, I can just go and be free. He's like, and I know when I get off stage, it's going to be waiting for me. But while I'm up there, I can, you know, just experience that. And I thought, Okay, I don't I don't know if that's healthy or not or whatever, but it. it, it <laughs> um, I love that actually. I think that's yeah. Great. I mean, it, was, it was just a cool a cool thought. Um, yeah. But really, he y'all, it's wild. Literally, we'd get in like these sing offs because I was scared oh, to death just to try stuff. You know, when you're your first sing, yeah, young yeah. singer and somebody's like try a thing, you're like, what if I right. squeak or what if I? I mean, he would just get up in my face and he'd just do some crazy run, and we'd be like at at our house by ourselves like this close to each other, like these singing duel offs. And then I'd try it back. He's like, Ed, no, no, try this and blah, blah, blah. And then he just, and it was something about the way he just kept pushing me. And he, I ended up having him help produce the vocals on my first record, which I oh, think wow. honestly, I think totally formed the way looking back now that I produce vocals because huh. it let me realize, because before that I'd produced my own records and they were so laborious. I mean, it was like, just torture i'd get inside my own head i couldn't think clear and he just taught me about being free and staying in that free space you know mm-hmm. he just kept bringing me back to that and so i thought i vowed if i ever get to produce for other people i want them to get to experience the joy yeah of making music 
and keep them in a light spirit because it just for me it changed everything so. which which you i mean i can speak to that you were terrible at that um <laughs> you know no, okay. <laughs> you're that. I, I, and i, I want to love I that you're trying no. <laughs> your desire to accomplish that has never been wild well you know well, you know what's cool about that is ed you and i have never worked on a record together but i know lots of artists that you have worked with and they all rave about you but specifically they talk about uh, like the the singers talk about what you get out of them, mm. which is really cool to hear this backstory you mean monetarily of, or right. Oh, just strictly <laughs> oh, yeah. financially. Yeah. Sorry. Oh what yeah. Okay. Think? Yeah. 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 No, it's cool. It's cool to kind of hear the origin story of it all came sort of started well, with know, this guy. Th- this is what I wanted to say. It, it, you know, when I was in high school, I remember. Uh, going to Young Life one night and Steve Chesney was, you know, our leader at, in Knoxville at Farragut. And they had this music playing along with a slideshow because they were trying to get kids to go to Windy Gap. Windy Gap, what, is that Taco Bell or Taco Bell? Anyway, to get to Windy Gap, I'm going to hit the gap harder. And so um, they had this music in the background and I, I remember I couldn't even pay attention to the slides. I was like, what is this music? It was a guy on a guitar and you know, he was playing and I just, I immediately made a, I bolted to the front and I was like, Hey, who, who is that music in the background? They're like, Oh, it's this guy at cash. He's a singer songwriter guy. And he plays at a bunch of young life camps. And I was like that I have to, I have to have that music. And like, cause you know, this is back in the day where you couldn't just like go get it, you know, especially mm-hmm. indie artists like yourself Ed. so I remember going to Windy Gap, buying, you know, everything you had there coming home and just being like, I love what this guy's doing and it was you know a life-changing moment for me and this is what people got to understand so you know people know your production they know you and we the kingdom but i mean for those who are listening ed was a force in the singer songwriter world like if you went and saw ed play it was mind-blowing truly like incredible guitar player like truly incredible like and that's so that why was i love thing. dave he's so encouraging <laughs> no, but truthfully <laughs> you know the guitar playing was insane and you know ed was doing that cool thing before a lot of people were, were you know he would loop himself i mean i thought that was like jedi dark magic in fact i think i got home and rededicated my life after seeing it because i didn't know what was going on but like you know <laughs> he would do the loop pedal and it was like soloing over himself singing along with the so i mean it's just Really, and then his voice. We wouldn't have Ed Sheeran. We wouldn't have Ed Sheeran. Well, what do you think his first name's Ed? (laughs) And so, um, but it was just, it was really something. I mean, like if anybody had seen you play Ed, it was, it was a thing. It was, I mean, you were incredible. I mean, it was really something to behold. And so I remember, you know, so much of the beginning of my story has to do with your artistry because uh, I'd met Bebo Norman at a camp and I loved Bebo's Mm. music and I loved his records. And uh, and and it played drums for him there with Stu Nelson. It was just this really fun thing. And mm-hmm. he said, "Man, you've got to meet Ed." And I was like, "I, I, I will pay you to introduce me to Ed Cash. What do I have to do to meet this guy?" And so you came and played at New City Cafe in Knoxville. I was there, I'm sure, mm-hmm. a day before the show, like sitting out, <laughs> like camping out to make sure I'd probably applied to work there just to really make sure I made the show. And <clears throat> you know, I saw the show. It blew my mind. I was, you know, it was every bit as good as I'd want it to be. And I was the guy that like, 
I'm going to get some time with this guy. So I waited, you know, people are meeting you. I waited longer. My friend's like, dude, we're going to, I was like, nah, y'all can leave. I got I, like, and I remember just kind of like sheepishly walking up and being like, hey, well, probably not sheepishly. Let's be honest. I probably ran over, like jumped <laughs> on your back, like a, you know, uh, like a hunchback and was like licking your ear, trying to get your attention. But, but, <laughs> but I just remember being like, Hey, you know, my name's Dave. And, and you were like, dude, Bebo told me about you and I was like what and he was like dude he just said we got to meet and that we'd you know that we'd be friends and I was like there's been no better moment in my life than this moment <laughs> <laughs> like I just remember feeling like all of these prayers have been answered and it was so amazing because from that I mean it was like that's where the life change was and you know you started coming to Nashville to start working with Cademans I remember at the Bennett house and you guys were working on and Ed's record uh at the time too or Ed you're Ed on Bebo's record later big blue sky but i do remember like starting to get time with you and it was like i have never felt cooler because you mm. you know you call and be like hey man i'm gonna be in nashville you know tomorrow we're doing some cave and stuff come by the studio and i was like oh my gosh which <laughs> had to have been a risk for you because of my personality <laughs> i can't <laughs> i look back on it now and i'm like you bless you sweet friend that you were like this could just take a wildly wrong turn because if I let this kid in here, he could, I don't know, like just start like chatting up everybody and like asking for autographs. I don't know. Like, you know, and, and you were like, no. And I just remember feeling like, Oh my gosh, I get to meet all these people and see what they're doing. And, and, you know, really just having access to you and, and your friendship was such a huge point, but it's so funny because I, 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 it bums me out because people don't know that all came from your artistry. Like, that was the first thing that you did and the records you made for yourself that I think was what really began other people going, Hey, work, you know, Bebo and Cabin's all these people going, Hey, work on our records too. And then, you know, you have this whole other career and I always feel like I'm the guy that's like, no, you need to know that it's not right. You have to start at the beginning of the story. And that's because he had this artist thing and he was incredible and, you know, and so it's mm -hmm. fun now that you're doing We the Kingdom because I'm like, people need to know that part of your story mm -hmm. because that's who you are. I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't have ever produced if you hadn't done your own thing first. You wouldn't write songs if you hadn't mm -hmm. written your own songs first, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, that, that's what's fun for me. I always want to honor that part of your life because I'm like, I, I feel like it gets sort of skipped over so much, you know, it, it, when it's such a huge part of it, you know, that's mm. like, that's, that's the beginning of the whole thing. Even to Charles is like, you know, and I had to sing because that, you know, your early records to me, that was the thing is I just feel like he's this quadruple threat. It's like, he's not like an okay singer. He's not like an okay guitar player. He's not like an okay songwriter. Like he's not an okay performer. He's like, no, he's amazing at all those things. So I think it's fun to hear you know, so as as John said, your origin story because it's like it's a really substantial thing, and I I don't think anything would have come from that if it hadn't been substantial. You know, man, thank you for saying that. It's funny, even as you're talking about that, I feel insecurity coming up in me because I'm like, crap, I don't want people going and listening to that stuff. <laughs> no, they have to go. <laughs> it, no, for real, it's it's that age old performer voice. It's like. Well, back then I didn't know this and so much and blah, 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 blah. And, and I start wanting to make excuses for it. And, you know, that it, it doesn't feel like in my mind that it was up to the standards of, you know, so many things that I thought it should have been or blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is, you know what? You just reminded me of the importance of just being grateful for our stories mm, yeah, and our yeah, journey. Yeah. And it's like, however we get to where we're going, it's like in my heart of hearts, I don't ever want to like cover that up mm, because it's part mm -hmm. of it, That's part right. of who I am. Johnny. Dave. Yes. Gosh, we're both right. 
We usually are, but there's really nothing quite like a hot cup of coffee first thing on a crisp fall morning. Uh, Sir John, uh, you can just well, uh, but Dave, okay. it has okay. to be delicious quality coffee with you know rich flavor. I mean, yeah. a rich flavor profile. Yeah, that is for sure, that. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm and that's why, Dave. I drink methodical coffee uh, during any season, fall, yeah. winter, yeah. and the other ones. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, it's tough. Those are the two I really care the most about. <laughs> There's one that's warm, but I can't remember what they call it. Methodical coffee really is the best. Listen, they roast their coffee to best express the life it lived, the place, the weather, the soil, and to honor the skilled people who cultivated it. And they offer a wide range of flavor profiles. Methodical coffee has your taste buds covered, people. Mm. Yeah. Their roasts include everything from classics that are bold and chocolatey okay. Okay. Okay, to okay. contemporary that are medium-bodied and fruity. Oh, okay. Those are all interesting. Well, something for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You can't forget those avant-garde flavors that really push conventions, John. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, lately I have loved Methodical's coffee subscription service. Their roast... Would you tell me about it? Yeah. I will. I was actually going I'm, to when sorry, you interrupted yeah. me. No, just I, that's my bad. I'm excited. Their Roaster's Choice subscription is inclusive of this wide range that we're speaking about right now. You receive a variety of profiles and origins every few weeks, and it's Ooh. never, ever predictable or boring. Two things I was accused a lot of in my dating life in high school. <laughs> you don't no have matter, to live that way listen, anymore. Let me be free, John. <laughs> I want to fly. No matter the blend or flavor, methodical roast, coffee to order, so you're always receiving the freshest beans possible. You know, the folks over at Gear Patrol uh -huh. even voted Methodical as one of the best roasters in America. I mean, come on. Listen, visit MethodicalCoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. Well, I think you're too hard. I mean, we, you and I have laughed about this numerous times, but I just think you're too hard on it. I think, and I get uh, it. I mean, I, well, you know what? It's, uh, the irony of this is, and this is not lost on me, is that... My, I mean, oh my God, my first couple of records would have, I don't think I'd be doing this. And I'm not saying that like if you hadn't been involved, that's true. I literally mean, I was telling a friend yesterday about this. Literally, I I was like, I am so fortunate because your skill set saved me from having a couple of records. Where I was like, mm, well, don't listen to that one. Start when me and Ed started together. But because you and I started my first record together, I had this guy who was way overqualified for my skill set to come in and go like, that's an interesting way to sing. Have you thought about singing like this, though? You know, I was telling him, you know, I was... Have you thought about opening your mouth <laughs> oh while you God. sing? Don't, don't, Ed, please don't say anything. I'm way too insecure for you to speak to this. I just let me talk about it, okay? But, but I, will, I will say, you know, I was so blessed because... You know, you were the first person I ever sat with that that when you said, I'll never forget this. It's one of my favorite, most humbling, but I think changed my life. I came in for a meeting because you were like, hey, I'd worked for, you know, with you about six months. And you said, let's do a record. Let's do like your first. There's a story record. about that, by the way. I so desperately want to tell before this is over. <laughs> may not get to happen, but I just it, wanted to well, just acknowledge Let's it. just see where the Lord leads it. So, okay. um, and he's telling me not to go there. So that's answered already. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I came in, I was so excited because you're like, let's do a record. Let's just do like a little acoustic thing. I'll charge you next to nothing. It's my way of saying thanks for working for me for these six months. And I am like, this is it. I've got the songs ready. I've been playing out, you know, enough to kind of know I got my 10, 12 songs. 
I come in, and I remember just being terrified but so excited. I play them all for you. It's like 10, 12 songs. You're like, great, you got your little notepad. You turn, and this was the beginning of the rest of my life, this moment. You were like, all right, you got three great songs. And I was like, and eight phenomenal ones. And you're like, and maybe two that we could like work with. And I was like, mm. ooh, ha, <laughs> ha. Well, um, what about the other seven? You're like, yeah, that's, we let me talk about this. Um, and I just remember being like, wait, and you, and you started doing what you're good at doing. And, and what, you know, saved me that you had learned in your career and the things before, which was like, hey, let's get really good stuff here. And I remember that, that was every record we did together was you sitting down and going, hey, here's what I think is great. Here's what needs to be tweaked. But it's so interesting to think that the lessons you had learned saved, I mean, literally saved me. If, if I had yeah. anybody else produce those records, I would have put out songs now that I'm super embarrassed by. My voice, which was already struggling at the time because I just started singing, you know. And so it's funny to see how those things that you kind of go, who I'm like, you can at least put it on me that I benefited from that because I think mm. you were able to go like, hey, I actually know a lot about song right now. I can help you with that. I know about singing now. I can do that. So it actually, what may be something you lament now was absolutely what saved and started my career. You You're I mean? welcome. So, I was going to say, so if there's anything, if there's anything that you can, you know, take from that. So something, one, will you just, because it's just got to be told, will you quickly just tell people how you proposed to Carrie? I still think this is like the greatest thing in the world before we skip. Oh gosh. This well, is the, okay. this is still one of my favorite proposal stories from anybody I know. So Carrie and I met, dated, engaged, and married a, within a year. So I met yeah. her and basically married her a year later. And that summer, we we got married in no into November that summer. I had worked it out where she could be a nanny at this uh, camp where I was playing some music for a couple months. So she was up there. Pro moves, by the and, way. Yeah, and after that, she had hadn't seen her parents for a couple months, so she wanted to go home for a week. But I had also asked her to go to the beach with our family for a week because I was really intentionally pursuing her to the to the end of marriage for sure. And. She was watching these kids, and uh, after that, uh, she goes home, and I I had a few gigs, actually, um, and I was going to pick her up at the airport coming home from her, or coming back to Charlotte, excuse me, from being home with her parents. And I told her, I'll pick you up at, you know, whatever, 9 o'clock when her flight lands. It was an early flight. And the night before, I'd played in Asheville. I didn't get home till like, I mean, 2.30 in the morning or something, so I was kind of wiped. Anyway, she tells me about this flight that she's on when she, when she gets there. And she said, uh, you know, the craziest thing happened. So she gets on. She was running kind of late. She sits down at this, um, you know, on the aisle. And in the middle seat, there's no one there. And then at the window, there's this guy who's got like this long jet black hair, big goatee, like spike gloves on, dressed all in a lot of leather shades. And he's just like kind of got headphones on and just rocking out some music or whatever and she's writing me a birthday card and she just uh you know she's a really compassionate person she's just thinking about this guy at the window she she said she couldn't help but think gosh i wonder if ed was like that when he was you know in his wild days or whatever and um anyway kind of a fleeting thought so she had this ring actually i've got it right here nobody could see it but it says i'm my beloved my beloved is mine it was a unique ring that she'd had and had the way it was written um and so it wasn't unusual that people would notice that ring 
and you know just just because it had a kind of a different look to it and anyway this flight attendant was like passing out stuff whatever she sees the ring she's like oh my gosh it's a super cool ring she's like hey would you mind if i like show that to my friend up front i just want to you know but the, i guess the girl was up there so carrie was like sure she just took it off handed it to her whatever so the uh she comes back she's handing out uh, pillows or whatever she goes oh here's your ring back she hands her a pillow and there's a ring box on top of the pillow and right about that time this dude at the window with crazy you know whatever gets down on his knee and leans over turns like hey baby <laughs> will you marry me and um anyway uh she reached out and she pulled down my glasses and realized that uh it was not who she thought it was amazing and uh it was i mean that is amazing that is amazing I can't believe that she didn't. I mean, were you just terrified the whole time? Like, surely she's going to know it's me. Surely she's going to know it's Somehow, me. Somehow, well, the crazy thing was, I don't know if y'all remember the Atlanta bombing or not, but this was like a few months after the Atlanta bombing, oh, which yeah. was like kind of like, you know, one of those 9-11 type, I mean, not, yeah. certainly not the same uh, magnitude, but in terms of putting everyone on red alert in, you know, airports and things like that, it was mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. So when I got to the airport, I'm dressed just like, you know, normal dude i have a backpack on i go in to the um bathroom put on my whole costume and i've got like this literally this costume hair super glued on my um goatee so i can't really open my mouth and be expressive smile and all that stuff well i walk out of the bathroom and this woman had seen me go in she's and she alerts security there's a man that walked in that bathroom and he had on a backpack, that same backpack, and he came out looking like a totally different person. And so the security grabs me, and he takes me over and, like, starts to search me. He's, like, questioning me. I'm like, Frank, I'm going to miss the flight. And I show him the ring. And I tell him the whole story, but I can't be, like, laughing and smiling because my mouth is, like, oh my God. literally glued shut. He's like, well, why aren't you happy about it? Like, I am happy. I'm thrilled. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't be more happy. I think I'd gotten about three hours sleep, so I was just kind of delirious. But anyway. Kind of wild. Um, he looks like but great obviously story. They let you go. He let you go. They, he let me go. I got on the thing. And, and he uh, was your best I, man. That's amazing. <laughs> he was my and best that guy man. was actually my dad who had dressed up as a security officer. <laughs> officer. That was a prank. The thing was a long play prank. Just on me. Oh, <laughs> That's such a great story, though. Like when you guys are at dinner parties and people start telling engagement stories. If I were you, I'm like, I have to go last. No, trust me. Like... <laughs> They're like, Ed, watch you go. No, 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 no. no. That makes me Mine's better than whatever I yours is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I walked on the moon, yeah. And I walked on the moon. Um, so, so, you know, Ed, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about your story is that, you know, you did this really interesting thing in your late 40s where you decided to form a band with your brother and your kids. And that we, we haven't, I mean, that's got a million things that, that are fun to talk about. But we haven't had anybody on the show that's that works with their kids. Like this is a whole mm. new thing. Like that mm. you're in sort of co- not just community, but you're in a working environment with your kids and your brother. Mm. You know, uh, it, like and it may. I mean, it makes me think a million things. But I think you know, and I want to hear you speak to anything that that makes you think about. But I was mm. thinking, like, if there was ever a testing ground of <laughs> to raise <laughs> these kids, right? <laughs> that's got to be it, right? So how how old were your kids when when you guys started the band? So Martin was 19, Franny was 20, and Kitch, who travels with us now, 
was 17. You know, that time of life where all kids want to start hanging out with their parents all the time. <laughs> exactly. Kids are begging to just start 19, some like, kind of a small what do you business from your lab. What's going to put me in high, high proximity to my dad all the time? All of them. No, it is it is really fascinating because you you I mean for people who don't know like when you're touring together you're living together. Oh, yeah, you can't yeah, be yeah. more in closer proximity. You are living together. Yeah, man. Again, I have a flood of emotions coming to me right now because I mean I just I feel so incredibly overjoyed and grateful that I get to do it do this yeah. with them. I just can't. I can't describe it. People ask, yeah. what is that like? I'm like, honestly, I can't describe it. It is joy beyond measure. It is stretching. It's difficult. It's all mm -hmm. of it. Um, you know, I alluded to it a bit ago, but man, we walked through a really hard mm -hmm. season as a family. It mm -hmm. was just dark and heavy. Mm -hmm. And I did not think we would get out of it without something really catastrophic happening. Um, and somehow I feel like music became the thing that allowed us to sing our way through the pain. Hmm. So this was not some thought, Hey, I'm going to start a band with my kids and my brother. It's like th there was never any intentionality behind it. Certainly not on a human level. I believe there was divinely, um, man, I just, it just started being a thing where we were literally singing our way to survive. It was like breathing. Mm. You know, we were just trying to write songs to process what had happened. Um, not really a lot of them. I didn't even ever think would see the light of day. It was just kind of like, we're just needing to talk through this. And, you know, when that whole thing went down, I took four months off. I shut my phone down. I shut email down. I did not receive a text or an email or a phone call for four months because wow. I wanted to make sure that my family was okay. And, yeah. you know, I've got four kids, Baker and Kitchen, Martin and Franny is the oldest. So then we wrote this song uh, in a hot tub at that same camp, ironically enough, that that girl had said, hey, I ripped your CD. This was like 15 mm. or no, shoot, this was. 20 years later, 25 years later. Wow. Wow. That's nuts. So, huh? huh? I mean, that's wow. I've never thought about that before. That's pretty cool. That's um, what we do here at Dadville. <laughs> Keep going. So yeah, we wrote this song and we, we just wrote it. We were up there, you know, playing at this camp for these high school kids and just wrote them a song just to, you know, knew a lot of those kids that had some uh, pretty difficult home situations and, we just wanted to tell them how much God loved them. I mean, that was the heart behind this song. And when we wrote it and played it together, it just something happened. Wow. It, mm -hmm. it was it was like, oh, wow, this feels good to play together. Like, this is fun, life-giving, and it seemed to get a good response. And we kept writing more songs over those next two weeks uh, that we were at this camp and then another one. And then we came home, and we were sitting around um, – camp or a, a like a bonfire in the back of my house and we were like guys are we supposed to start a band or something you know and then i i we started you know writing more recording a little bit i called my friend brad o'donnell who is the you know ceo of capital 
records and i i was like bro i need you to talk me off a ledge <laughs> like mm-hmm. because it just on paper it sounded like the stupidest thing on earth to do like hey i got a great great idea i'm gonna start a band with my kids you know <laughs> kids he's like ed let's i'm gonna i'm driving over right now don't don't leave wherever you are I'm driving yeah, over i right think now. as a dad I, I if i were in that situation with my kids putting myself you know 10 15 years ahead i would be thinking I so would start a band with my kids right now, but I don't want to say it because obviously they don't want to start a band well, with their dad. Well, but, yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, it was like the long lost dream in my heart to be an artist mm. that God was somehow right. reviving and then adding this new special dynamic that made it way more sustainable, life-giving, enjoyable than it ever. Keeps the money in the family. It did. <laughs> <laughs> No, I no. Oh, sorry, finishers, and I'll add a couple months. Um, yeah, you know what so, I think is yeah. really tricky about it, Ed. Though I, I, I can't. The thing that's so fascinating about it to me too is that you're not a dad who you know is running like a company, you know, whatever. Like you're not in healthcare, and then you guys are jamming songs. And you're like, gosh, should we do this? Like, and have no pedigree for it. You are a mm-hmm. very successful singer, songwriter, producer. So there's also got to be a weird level where you're not just going, this feels good and is cool. You're going like, I have taste and integrity I'm trying to hit too, that it's hitting those things, which is good. Mm. And so I'm imagining at some point you're also putting on like your professional hat going like, okay, there's how I feel about this and how it makes my soul feel my heart. But, but like, is this good? I mean, right. can we, you know, so, so it's interesting to me that it's not just ticking those but it's ticking your professional boxes which is doubly interesting it's not just you know what i'm saying it's not yes just, i uh, do it's, it's not just a little complex. thing in your heart <laughs> yeah, it's super complex it would be like yeah. you know when you're in a writer's room and the and the person you're writing with is just an unbelievable singer and it's kind of hard sometimes to work on the lyrics because you're like dang <laughs> they say every the word time you sing like, it that's it you're like i think that's we it. got the hook that would it's like that times a thousand because it's like if i'm hearing my daughter sing something i'm like i think that's it but at the same time at some point at some point you're also going like hey friend he sounds great a little flat on the chorus and right. is that is that really your best range are right. we are we hitting the sweet spot of the old fc man there? it like, is oh. it's a sensitive ground i i can't I'll tell you what i realized i'll tell you what i realized early on especially because of our story that a heavy-handed controlling you're going to do what I say thing was not going to fly yeah. at all. Yeah. That I very wow. much needed to respect them. Like they're choosing at that age to come hang out with me. Like I better see them as equals. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I do. I mean, at times I'm taking cues from them and I'm not just saying that. Like I really respect them. I really respect yeah. my brother. I really respect mm-hmm. Andrew, all of them. Like, musically so it's like it feels so beautifully collaborative you know mm. it, it, it's not this secret thing where this is like you know um i don't know i see some of the like the football dads you know where like they're vicariously living their lost yeah. football dreams through their yeah. i don't want it to be that mm, i very yeah. much do not want them to feel this pressure of like you know whatever i i just think god has just done something very unique with all this and I don't even understand it. I mean, there are times I'm just scratching my head like, what are you doing, God? This is mm. just random, you know, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, I do feel like there is um, a real purpose in it and that it's, uh, you know, for a season. And I mean, hey, 
Franny just got married in the middle of all this. And I love her husband, you know, but even that dynamic, like I want him to feel cared for, you know, we're spending a lot of time out on the road, you know, and it's like, I just want him to know that, I mean, I adore him. Number one, he's amazing. And then Martin just got engaged. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be getting married soon. So it's like, this thing is growing and their families are growing. And, you know, to me, I I would love for this as long as we do it, whatever that is, I don't know. Uh, But for it to be a sustainable life-giving thing for all, because, you know, we all Mm -hmm. hear those stories I mean, Al and, and Andrews is a good friend of mine, as I know he is yours. And, you know, the the, the list is not a short one of, mm. you know, devastated marriages, family situations mm-hmm. by by this crazy thing we call the road life. Right. And so it's like, right. well, how do we do this in a way that is honoring to all of that? And so as a dad, I mean, I feel that, man, even as, when we're on the bus at night, I can't go to sleep till I know everybody else is asleep. Because wow. I feel like this responsibility of like, are we safe? Is everything okay? Wow. Is the bus driver alert. You know, I'm, I feel it, man. Like I yeah. can't, I can't even describe it. Hey, Dave. Hey, John. Everything okay? Yeah. Well, things are great, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, please. You know, as the holidays grow nearer and nearer, and okay. yet even nearer, Ooh. I always worry about how I'm going to stay healthy and get the nutrients my body needs during these holiday times. You, you literally, I feel like when it gets to December, you start every conversation with exactly that subject matter. That's right. And, oh, it's on my mind. Yeah, but it's let on me, everyone's mind. But, but this is where I'm a little confused. You mean to say that pumpkin pie isn't nutritious or is? That's what I, um, you're saying well, it is. There, look, it may be nutritious for the soul, mm. but lately okay. I've turned to Athletic Greens AG1 formula to get my daily vitamins and minerals for my body. Okay, you listen, know? everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really, really ridiculously simple. Especially when on tour, which I'm on tour right now. Right now. And away from home, which I'm away from home right now. Yeah, yeah. Getting good sleep and healthy meals can be harder and harder to come by. Yeah, I don't want to hear you cry during this thing. Listen, that's why we turn to AG1 by Athletic Greens, the category-leading superfood product that brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. Everybody, John. Yeah, they're they're helping everybody. Yeah. To be at our best, they mm-hmm. simplify the path to better nutrition by giving you one solution that includes all the best things for you. Whether you're on the road like John is or in the studio like literally I am right now or sitting in the pickup line at school, which neither one of us are, Athletic Greens will help you stay healthy while on the go. One tasty scoop of AG1 contains, listen to this, Dave, 75 mm. vitamins, minerals, no. and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, a probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality, bioavailable. What? I love bioavailable stuff. I didn't even stuff. know that. Sounds like something a superhero <laughs> would say. Ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion, and support a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy delicious drink everybody join the movement of musicians athletes dads soccer moms rookies you name it anyone out there taking ownership of their daily health and nutrition and john to make it even easier and this is getting ridiculous athletic greens is going to give you an immune supporting free one-year supply how many dollars is that john that's zero dollars that's free dollars free one-year supply of vitamin d and 
five travel packs just for free because <laughs> they love us. Oh, they just love us with this. With your first purchase, if you visit athleticgreens.com slash dadville today, you get all that, all of that. That's athleticgreens.com slash dadville to give AG1 a try and take control of your health. I was going to ask you how you, what are the examples on the road where you feel like, like I would imagine you're a, you're a bandmate on the road. It sounds like you're describing, but I was going to yeah. ask, what are the moments where you're a dad? It's so wild because I feel like it morphs in and out of it. I mean, there are times where I turn around and I see Franny sing some line, you know, and I know that she's just in her element and in her joy and she's just twirling around. It's that father of the bride thing. She gets pissed when I say this, but I literally see like <laughs> five-year-old little girl up there spinning around. And then there are other times yeah. where I see this woman who's like a full-fledged stud woman, you know, who's like doing her thing and that's my daughter and i'm like oh my gosh and then i'll turn around and martin's just doing something crazy on the drums or not he's just in the zone and just you know and, and uh, so i think some of it is just the proud dad of getting to see my kids flourish and there are many times where i'm up there just on stage i'm praying for them hmm, god yeah. protect them from the dangers of the applause of man protect them from yeah. the dangers of this life that it can be so uh, riveting and then just, you know, let you down and, you know, with Instagram and yeah. finding your value and what the world says about you versus what God says about you, you know, just all those dangerous pitfalls. I'm, I'm, I think that's where the dad comes. And then you're mad because people don't give you a standing ovation. God's like, dude, I'm answering your prayer, but, but we killed that. So maybe not right now, but like, God, um, make them stand up, <laughs> but then sit down quickly. Yeah. I mean, it, it is funny. Like last night, we uh, we played a, uh, a thing here, and we had this song. It's kind of a rocking song, but it starts out with sort of this little, you know, kind of smeary. Uh, and people sat down, you know, after the first song, and we were talking about it afterwards. Like, Dad, they were literally. We have a microphone that. Uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Only we can hear. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. crowd can hear, and well, they're like, "Make sure you Dad, get, that get them right. to stand back up." And I'm like. But they, everybody just sat down. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what? Uh, hey guys, y'all didn't hear me praying uh, because I prayed for this and God's answering my prayer. Yeah. You know, I think th th there are literally a million questions about this dynamic. The thing that, one of the things that I'm so fascinated by is what is it? It's got to be tricky. And maybe I'm wrong. You may be much more mature than I am. Um, it's got to be tricky you know, you think about raising your kids in your house pre-18. And, you know, you, you kind of have to have that. They're not friends at that point. They're your kids. You know, you're you're the, the, the disciplinarian. You're the dad. You're the encourager. You're all these things. But you're not friend. You're not friends yet. You know, your job is not to be like, hey, bro, I'm here. It's it's someday that will happen. The thing about being in a band, especially where you are, that I would find tricky is they, you have accelerated that process that I think a lot of families take a decade to get used to, which is like they're out of the house, they're doing whatever it is that school or you know music or whatever they're doing in that kind of eighteen to twenty one, and then you kind of have your their whatever that season is in their twenties to kind of like okay, that's nuance. We're being careful, and how much do you want to come home? Do you want to come home at all? Do we go to you? You know, you're married now. You know, but you guys have, I mean, you've just put your foot on the pedal of that. So you've accelerated. Really what I'm trying to say is their access to the real ed, 
Like mm. this is no longer mm-hmm. just dad. This is literally how I live my life every day. Yeah. And they've oh, got a front yeah. row seat to like, you have just gotten, we skipped a decade of like, Oh, I'm getting to know my dad more. And every time I see him, it's a little, I get a little more of who he is because now he's not just my dad. He's, he's a, you know, he's a friend, but they, you know, in about, you know, whatever a year or two, you're you're on the road and you can't just be dad all the time you're going to be friend you're going to be like bandmate you're going to be frustrated singer you're going to you know you're going to be whatever that is what is that dynamic is that for me i think that would be hard because like how much do i let my kids see i'm really mad at this promoter i'm mad at what happened tonight or i didn't sing well and i'm way in my head or you know because usually you have some time you know that's a long wonderful build for your kid to kind of get more and you know maybe in their 30s late 20s they're like man i feel like me and my dad are like friends now and he tells me i had a hard day at work or you know it's been here's something you don't know about me it's i really have a hard time with this or i you know but they're doing this at a highly accelerated very much every day you know for seasons at a time with you Mm. i mean how do you Mm. do that how do you navigate that gosh again so many thoughts rushing through my mind the first thing I think about is I remember my dad passed away uh, end of 2020 and he was just an amazing man. I mean, on so many levels, he was my hero. And I think we all as dads, not, not all of us, but um, I think if it's in your heart to want to be a good father, then you want to be your kid's hero. Mm -hmm. And which also comes with the fact that we have these false perceptions that a hero should never show his weakness. Right, right. But if you think about it, even when you watch the Marvel movies, it's the tear in Spider-Man's shirt. It's the scratch on the Hulk. It's the dent in Iron Man's armor that make them so attractive. Because mm. you realize, okay, they are heroes, but they're also vulnerable. You know, And there's something about the way that those two things go together that is really powerful. I remember when I was in my last treatment center, we... My parents came out like the third week and we did this thing called knees to knees and where my dad and I literally sat, touched our knees together, mm. you know, in front of a group and a counselor and all this. And man, it got real. And we like got to say things that I'd never said before. And he did. And it's like, I realized for the first time that my dad was not perfect, mm. you know, and I'd held him so high and just, he was invincible to me, but seeing his humanness, made me all the more drawn to him. Hmm. And so I've realized that it is a gift to my own heart, but all the more, I think, even to my kids to be able to see the real parts of me. And so Hmm. I've really tried through um, a lot of work, a lot of work from God in my own heart to to be vulnerable and just to, to let them see me. And I love my kids. Hmm. I love them because they're mine, but I also, I think I can say this with full objectivity. I love hanging out with each of them. They hmm. are great friends now. You know, like being young adults, like Franny, I adore time with her. Martin, hmm. I mean, when I get to hang out with him, I'm like, this guy's a freaking stud. Kitch, hmm. dude, that guy is like, he's the guy you want to fight in the hall with. He's just so loyal. And, <laughs> and Baker, like, he's just, I mean... All of them. Baker is so much fun. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's amazing. And anyway, I just, 
I think about each of them. I'm like, yeah, I want to go hang. I want to hang up this podcast and go be with each of them right now because mm-hmm. I just love. I lo- I love mm-hmm. them. So yeah, it's. Uh, I realized that I, my wife had this thing. I wish I had it with me. Gosh, you know what? I'm gonna actually text her. No, she's at a retreat. Never mind. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, when your kids are like zero to eight, you're their um, a parent to them is like you're their parent, and then when they're eight to thirteen, you're the cop. And then when you're uh-huh. 13 to 18, you're the, but the whole idea of it is basically that when they get to the age where mine are, you're really more of just this like guide, you know, mm. you're just a, a guide, your presence. I'm not, if I even dared to try and tell Martin or Kitch or Franny uh, what to do from the young parent mind now, they'd look at me like, are you crazy? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. that season is, that shit yeah. is sailed. That's not yeah. your role you know? anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, here, I'm here. I'm available. Um, but you know, especially like I me, mean, Martin, he sleeps about six inches from my head. Franny <laughs> sleeps about 24 inches from my head. Like we are on a tour bus. You know how yeah. it is. They're 12 yeah. people. I mean, tiny houses look like mansions compared to bus living. <laughs> to me, it's like it's a whole nother world. So you really have to, you know, respect each other's space, get out of the way. And I, I tend to, you know, I don't want to be passive and just let them lead and like, oh, I'm here, but I'm not going to do mm-hmm. anything. Right. It's a fine line between finding that intentionality of like, let's be together, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know, when to push in and when to give them space. So. Yeah, that, that that's the thing that I, I don't know anything about that, but the few times that I've talked to guys who are, you know, have kids that are um, kind of out of the house but are still around them, that's exactly the wisdom I feel like I get is it's a really, it's it's just a careful thing of knowing this is when to lean in a little bit and then here's when to not at all and just to listen mm. and, and say, hey, you'll figure it out. Or, um, but I think in the season I'm in, I'm like, man, I mean, that's just, obviously it's a wildly different season. So it's fun seeing you going, Oh, that is, that's a possible thing. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a way to do this that, um, that you can do well and have the kids not sort of like either roll their eyes or, you know, I think the thing, it's easy for me to believe this lie that like once, which is so funny cause it's not true of me. It's not true of anybody. I know, but I think it's easy to think like once your kids get out of the house, they're just done with you. They're like, that's it. Like we're mm-hmm. good. And it's not even that I don't like you. That's not what I'm saying. But like, like I'll see you. We'll, we'll bro down, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a reminder. That's not the truth. It's not true to me and my yeah. parents. Like I, I, you know, like they still matter to me. It matters what mm-hmm. they think. It matters, you know, how they feel about me and what I do and, you know, all those things. Um, and I think it's just a reminder seeing you that, and especially navigate it so well and be so thoughtful about it is like, it does still matter. Like mm. your kids aren't getting up every morning. And when you go, Hey guys, they're like rolling. <laughs> it's going like, God, why do we do this? We just yeah. can't find another singer. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, like as they, soon as we get another singer. Oh my gosh. Out. Yeah. Once Baker gets his pipes, he's coming in. I think it takes a lot of maturity too on, on your end, as you were talking about the moments when you are a dad, it seemed like the through line through it all was, they're, they're kind of all internal for you, mm. which I think takes, a, I would guess, takes a lot of maturity to not be externally dead and, mm. and just kind of keep those moments, kind of those mm. precious moments to yourself, you know, mm. for yes. this season. And you know, it's interesting as I'm thinking about it, like, if you look at the history of the world, I mean, what we're doing right now to me feels unusual comparatively to where the temperature, because you got colleges, you got, all, but in the history of the world, Right. Like yeah. this is actually a much more common thing. Yeah. Where, that's so true. You know, 
you would have apprenticeships and, mm-hmm. fa- you know, families would work together a lot and things like that. I mean, family's messy. You know, you see the, pro- tip, you know, the age old prodigal son type story where, you know, kids are like, forget this, I'm gone. Um, but, you know, it. That's so it, true. We just yeah, had uh, wild, Jefferson right? Bethke on, on the podcast uh, and, and he has a new book called Take Back Your Family that, that talks a lot about that. Sort of the uh, sites of, a lot of sort of other one uh, you know non Western yeah countries that are like still doing it yeah you know yeah. they're like you know four generations in a house where it's exactly what you say where like you know the dad shows the son the son shows his son and, and that family thing exactly your point it's I've never thought about that with We the Kingdom but it is sort of like this wonderful apprenticeship in music <laughs> it's sort yeah. of like this is the family business I'm going to show you how to do this and then I'll you know I'll hand it off if that's what you guys want to do and whatever version of that that is you know yeah it's not it may not be right for everybody but it, it is possible you know yeah. it can be yeah. done and I think it's it's beautiful when when uh when that happens so I'm super yeah. grateful no yeah that's doubt. it's it's amazing I'm 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 so impressed and so excited to get to try out for the band here in about six months. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to show, it's going to be like when I well, met you at uh, Augsburg. Guys, we have a new singer. <laughs> Always Augsburg. Not exactly sure what I'm doing, but I'm really enthusiastic with the mic. You know, I'm just ma- making worship fails that like over and over. <laughs> they just show me, they just have a site, the one that's just dedicated all the way. Right. I can't sing y'all songs. <laughs> Um, so we, we, um, we have two questions we ask at the end of these every time I'll ask the first one. Uh, what is the one thing you want your kids to know? I want them to know that I love them so much. I can't eat. I mean, that sounds so trite on just saying it, but I would do anything for them. Mm-hmm. I really would. And I know their mom feels the same way. We just, we, we cherish them. They're a gift beyond words from God. And I want them to know that God loves them. Because I think if someone can believe and truly believe that God loves them, that changes everything. Hmm. Yeah. Changes everything. Yeah, that's beautiful. Last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Mm-hmm. My dad was real. That's it. Short ceremony. (laughs) Short, wonderful (laughs) ceremony. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful, man. I love that. Yeah. I've I've really been looking forward to this. You know, we've been talking about it for a while, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since uh... before you had kids. I remember during that internship. I, know, I feel like we could do a follow-up to this because there's, there's so many things running through my brain. Oh, oh my dude. gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's, even uh, your life and, you know, the fact that you watched our kids while Kitch was being uh, born at the hospital. I mean, it's well, just like, you know, two, 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 I will, I'll say two, I'll say two quick things. <laughs> One, so I have a comedy, you know, I'm putting out this live comedy record I did at City Winery and I, I think, I think I, we, we, the Martin, you know, I have the story of it's called Martin and the Apple Juice, and it's about me keeping, you know, you guys had gone somewhere. Okay, I have to say three quick things for the dumbest. One, that story's on there, so if you want to hear it, you can hear it in its entirety. Basically, I didn't understand that I was supposed to cut his apple juice, and he started drinking it like it was full of crack cocaine. So that was wonderfully confusing. So, when, you know, Carrie gets home, and he's basically drunk on apple juice. She's like, what happened? And then, but two other things that I remember that I laugh about a lot when I think about your kids. One, 
I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember Franny bit me? I still have a scar. Like when I was watching them one time, this was last year. Um, and we were at dinner and she just laid into me. It was really interesting. Um, no, we, we were, she was tiny. She was tiny. And, 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 you know, I was watching them because when I worked with you, you know, it was kind of like, what do you remember this? It was like, you know, there'd be an hour. You're like, Hey, Carrie's got to go to lunch. So Mike, can you just watch kids? I'm like, sure. And I'd bounce over to the house and I watch them and I come back. But I remember there was one point where I was like playing with Martin. I think she just got jealous or something. And she literally, we're sitting on the couch, the three of us, the the room that was closest to the studio. And we're just kind of do, do, do. And she just looks at me and she takes a plug out of my arm. I mean, like she was probably, I mean, couldn't have been four, three. She was tiny, but she just, and I was like, ah, and it's that moment where you're like, I don't know what to do right now. Cause one, this isn't my kid, but I have an immediate punch instinct that I can't do. And she's sort of looking at me like I probably shouldn't have done, and I'm bleeding. So I just remember I had to like, and this is all real time. Martin, you know, Martin's looking at me like, she was feisty, still is. Well, and, it, and I just remember kind of walking into Carrie and I knew like, if I tell Carrie, this may be the end of this child. And I remember I was kind of like, ah, oh, Carrie, ah, uh, so anyway, so just fun fact, um, she, she may have, I don't know. I can't, it may have been a wasp at this point. I'm not sure, but I do know that it felt like she just, <laughs> or <10 of> them. <laughs> well, and then the other thing that I remember, this makes me laugh. Maybe the hardest was, you know, I remember you guys, you know, I've always been really careful about what everybody eats and, you know, very, uh, uh, organic you were like the first family i knew that really got on like the organic train where it was like very particular making sure we're not giving them things that they're allergic to or whatever and uh and that was like oh man for a couple years i remember like right at the end of when i was kind of working it was like getting pretty intense like i was because i was terrified of bringing in like chick-fil-a and some kids sneak in it and then they break out in hives and then carrie's like db and i'm like oh so sorry okay so but i remember like the first couple kids like it was real dialed in and so when i'd come see you it was like okay yeah you know she's not doing blue dye and he's and it was like sussed out and i remember by the time the yacht <laughs> Baker, I came over and, you know, I'm on the road at this point. Like, I, you know, we were only seeing each other two or three times a year because we were just so crazy. And we were coming by to see you and having like one of these like day hangs where we just downloaded it. And I remember ba Baker was in the front yard eating dirt. <laughs> He's scooping dirt out and eat, actively eating dirt. <laughs> I remember being like, oh my God, Carrie's going to die. And Carrie opens a hey, door. There's no preservatives in that there's, dirt. There's, well, it's, it's organic. I mean, it's really organic, organic as it gets. And so she gives me a bear hug. DB, how you, gosh, we haven't seen you so long. And I'm like, I, uh, good at Carrie. He's, oh my God, he's eating dirt. And I'll never forget. She's like, ah, he'll be fine. Sit down and tell me. And I was like, wow, things have changed with your fourth child. I remember that being like, oh, there is a real degradation of sort of like, <laughs> at this point, you know, I was ready for her to be like, oh no, he lives outside. We don't, we don't really see him much. He's sort of a man of the woods. He'll bring a deer to us every now and then with his teeth. And <laughs> You know, it was, it was, I feel like I just learned so many things about the family dynamic by just being around y'all in so many oh, ways gosh. from like, you know, it's amazing. That's so good. Yeah, man. But dude, thanks for being in. You know, you know how much I love you and I owe you a million things and my career is my career because you were kind enough to sort of distill your wisdom on me and take the time to do it. Bro, that's it really, a two-way street. You know that. I've told you about that many times. Well, I, I'll say this is the last thing I say before I let people go. I think, and you know I've told you this before, I think one of the things I'm so passionate about is um, caring for younger artists. That's a big part of you know my heart and the benevolence and 
and and um, you know spending time with people that do this and just trying to help them figure out how to do it because it's such a weird road. But mm. I think all of that comes from, and I think a really fun way to wrap up this episode for those who are listening is to your point about apprenticeship. I think um, you know, and Jefferson talked about this when he was on. It really is kind of a lost art, and I think. I don't know why that is, but I think so much of what has colored my relationship with you has been this feeling of when I came in so excited to do this music thing. I mean, I was I was just revved that there was somebody that went here, are kind of the keys to the kingdom. Um, here's what I know about it. Here's the people I know. Like coming to the studio, meet these guys, and and you know, making all these records with you was just this um, front row seat to how to do it. There was never secrets that you held. There was never um, anything that you were slow to tell me about. And I think it's such a powerful thing. And it, and it, I think for me is the reason I'm so passionate about it with others. You know, and so I think it, it's it's so much of the story too that I think needs to be said before we end this episode is that you've been such a great example of doing that thing. You're doing it with your kids, and you've done it with your kids. But I think. It's so cool to see someone go, hey, here is access to all the things that the world's going to tell you I should never give you because it's how I'm successful. It's it's mm. how I do what I do, and it's how I make that room sound good, or here's how you coach a drummer to get a good take, or here's how you think about bridges or choruses, or, man, make sure when your verses and lyrically, how do we do this, and where's your voice sit, and all those things that I think a lot of people would be like, dude, that's my bag. That's what I mm. got. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of access to it, but, but, that, but I think with you, it was always just like, here's kind of you know, here's everything I got. You can have whatever you need. And so I think, you know, that, that has not just informed my career, but I think it's absolutely informed the things that I'm passionate about too, because I got to see it, you know? Mm. And so I think to those who are listening, um, you know, that's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, especially as a man in a trade, that's something that you just identify so much with to know that there's so much power in giving that same thing away to the young, mm. to younger people, you know? So, mm. you know, mm. just honor you that way. Yeah, man thank you thank you, you. uh there's also the time that we uh showed up to fly and you were holding your guitar this was really the last story this is really the tutorial on how ed rolled back in the day we're playing the show in lafayette louisiana ed's like hey i got you to i think i may have opened or you just somehow got me on the gig you know and i'm thrilled because i'm like ed and i hadn't really played many shows and he's like but here's the deal you know, it's in Lafayette. We got to fly. I got you a ticket. You know, we got a place to stay. Just come and hang. And as long as it's like, oh my gosh, like I get to play with Ed. So I remember the first problem was, I remember this very succinctly. I'm sitting in, this, in the room at my apartment with uh, Micah and I'm like, hey man, uh, what time are you going to get me? He's like, oh, what time's the flight? I was like, you know, this is pre 9-11. He's like, uh, or I guess, no, it wasn't, but it wasn't quite like it is now. And he's like, um, oh, it's at like, you know, 11. I was like, great. You know, grab me at like 10. Or like 9.30, he's like, ah, I'll be there about 10.30. I was like, ooh, that feels tight. And he's like, ah, okay, 10.15. I'm like, ah, still feels pretty tight. And he's like, well, get the, picks me up. I think he got there at 10.15, and we still got 15 to get to the airport. So we're already running. I realize he has got gym shorts, a T-shirt, and he's holding an electric guitar. Like, is Dan Electro? No case. No and case. I think he, I don't change of clothes, Ed. I think he may have just had a backpack or something. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, oh, we'll just... And so we valet Look, the it's car, all about the music. run through the airport with a naked guitar. Like he's just holding a guitar. We get to the gate <laughs> and Ed does the Ed where he's like, you know, he, he, as he talks, like crystals come out of his mouth and the woman's like, I mean, we don't really do this. And he's like, Oh, you, you're, you're going to, and she's like, y'all, 
go ahead and get on the plane. And he just sticks his guitar in the overhead bin and we sit down and we're both sweating. I'm like, how'd you do this? He's like, nah, this is kind of how I roll usually. I was like, this is insanity. And also sort of like a drug I can't kick. Like, how did you pull this off? And you remember we wrote a song on the flight. Like he just grabs guitar. Hey, I respect so that. Check this out. And I was like, where, what <laughs> world am I living in? Thank you for giving oh us your time, gosh. dude. I know you are crazy. Ed, thanks that. so much for doing this. You're the man. Thank you, guys. Dad, please.